You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Got a bunch of stuff to talk about today. Anthony Davis is now saying he will not re-sign with the New Orleans Pelicans. Shocker. Getting a boatload of money if he were to sign an extension. So now all the trade machines, they are out and they're working hard today. And so we will be talking about that later on in the show. Do the Hornets actually stay quiet despite them being rumored to be inquiring about some other guys like an Andre Drummond about maybe a Marcus Saul could be in play you know who knows do they actually just stay quiet rather than actually get a big name here in a Charlotte Hornet uniform a lot of stuff to talk about here on the number one daily sports podcast network check us all out on Twitter at Walker Mail at Not of the Scribe and at Doug Branson LOH you can find the show handle on most social media platforms at Locked On Hornets first we'll talk about this Bucks game that happened over the weekend And we've been talking about this on the wake-up call, especially since that Spurs game that we've had. It's been six games since then. The Hornets have been 4-2 and at that point, where they Mm -hmm. did go on a three-game winning streak. They lose badly to the Pacers. They win against the Grizzlies, and they lose here with a bad performance in the fourth quarter against the Milwaukee Bucks. But it does seem like a different team since that Spurs team. It seems like they've been much more competent. They have taken care of handily. They've taken care of the games they're supposed to, and they had a bad fourth quarter performance against the Pacers where that got a little bit more out of hand than even the score. I think they lost by 25. They didn't play a game that would signify them yeah. being 25 worse than the Pacers, right? Well, Walker, here, here's the thing about the Bucks. I am willing to take the blame. It is my fault. Y'all. Why, why did, what did you do? Well, remember, I had said on the previous podcast that I was going on a date because I knew they were going to lose this game. Well, the date ended a little bit earlier than I had planned, and so, yeah, I was at home and ended up <laughs> watching the fourth quarter, and by that time, like, everything had gone to hell, so I screwed up the juju of the Hornets. I did Snitty, prom- not a jinx. Yeah, I, I did promise the listeners that we would ask about your date. I had planned on doing it in the third segment, we can, but we, we know, have, but, but again, but, I will say this. I just gave you a perfect pre- preview for the third segment. Stick around. So you're going to wait. <laughs> So okay. you're going to wait. Okay. No, I'm interested in it's hearing my how fault, your date though. night I will went. take the blame. You're going to take the blame for this. Yes. All right. I am interested. So we will also talk about Nada's date this weekend for sure. So stick around for the third segment. But until then, we will talk about this Bucks game. And I think the point was that you do feel better about the Charlotte Hornets team. This yeah. was a way against a very good basketball team. They did have a 15-point lead. I'm not here again for the moral victories. I get it. But still, this is a 82-game season for the Charlotte Hornets that have looked bad at times. And they actually looked good against the Milwaukee Bucks, despite a Kemba injury, yes. which it does look like he is going to play. He said he is going to play tonight against the New York Knicks. And we did get aggressive Nick Batum. I do think there are some storylines to take away that are kind of positive when you look at Charlotte in this game. The one thing that snuck up on me when I watch this game on replay and when I watch the fourth quarter. The one thing Nada will say. Yes, yes, yes. I don't have imaging for it yet, but that's... What for I'm shame. That's what I'm working on right for now. For shame. For shame. <laughs> the one thing Nada will say. <laughs> but a, yeah. The, the big, the big takeaway for me. Yeah. The big takeaway for me for from that game when I watched it is no Tony Parker. Like the fact that this was going to be a scheduled rest day for Tony so Parker. So I, I want to get into that, right? Like, how do you, one, we've talked about how to handle Tony Parker before. Mm-hmm. And Tony Parker is responsible for how you handle Tony Parker, correct? Agreed. And so 
if I've seen people criticize Borrego for this, and while I'm here to criticize Borrego for some of the rotations, and it is interesting in how you should handle TP, like you look at him controlling what his minutes are because he is a 36-year-old champion that has worked with James Borrego before. So I think it's fair to ask, would we rather him play in the games that the Hornets aren't necessarily favored or whether they are favored? Like, what which games would you rather him play first and foremost? I think that's fair, but also... I don't know if it's completely fair to criticize Borrego and how he handles Tony Parker on resting him in certain days or not. I would have said this, like, you have the weekend and we're playing the Knicks. We will give you three days off at minimum. Like, we need you for this one because you were crucial in beating them at home the last time. Right. We need you for this one. Buddy, if you can give us 10 to 15 minutes and maybe we ration out some more Graham minutes somewhere along the line in the second. But you needed him for that game. The minute I found out that he wasn't playing, I was kind of done. Yeah, and the Milwaukee Bucks had their version of an X-Factor off the bench in Pat Connaughton, who yeah. we sort of made fun of in that last game, but he was the absolute defensive X-Factor in this one. Well, in the last game, he had a sick dunk that apparently put him on notice here in Charlotte, where mm-hmm. he had, it was the putback, right? It was yes, the putback dunk, and he actually, we did make fun of him, but it was a guy that actually contributed. How about scoring zero points? And having a plus minus of 18 in just the 12 minutes. Good Lord. And and a lot of that was because he was absolutely in Nick Batum's shirt. And Nick Batum uh, did a great job offensively for three quarters and and really led this team offensively on a night that both Kemba and Jeremy Lamb were struggling uh, but Marvin. Pat Connaughton absolutely put a cork on that in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and, and again, you, you mentioned Nick Batum, which is the big conversation right now surrounding the Charlotte Hornets the last couple of games. We've seen aggressive Nick Batum, and it has seemed like a better basketball team with Nick Batum putting up nine shots in the last game, and you put up 16 here against the Milwaukee, 15, I should say, against the Milwaukee Bucks. And I put a tweet out there this weekend. It was the first time since the Knicks' blown loss that they had mm-hmm. that Nick Batum has put up nine attempts or more in a game. So we've seen him, right? People have these problems with Nick Batum just kind of standing in the corner and not getting too terribly involved in the offense. We've seen him involved the last two games. It's been, I think it was like 45 days since that Knicks game. It was 20 games ago before before we got Nick Batum putting up that many attempts. And Rick Bunnell had a sit down with Nick Batum, and we'll get to talk to him uh, about that tomorrow, but you look at some of the quotes to from Rick, Nick. not Nick. Right, right. right. We're going to talk to Rick, Rick but not, Nick. not yeah. Nick Batum. Sorry, we're going to get that straightened out. We'll try to talk to Nick maybe down the road. But in the quote, you know, Nick Batum mentions a couple of the things that have gone wrong for him this season, and just basically what's different. He says, "Quote in this league, every single night, I have someone crazy good to guard at the wing spots, or sometimes at point guard. And when I guard the point guards, I've got to pick them up full court." to deny them the ball to slow them down. He also says, that's the biggest difference, but it's on offense too. I knew Jeremy would get the ball a lot more and take more shots than MKG would, and I'm cool with that. The team needed that, but it's different. And so I, I, I think I think of, and, and, he's, and he said the team needed that, right? And he left it at that, but he acknowledges that it's different. And so, one, it reminds me of a time, right, when MKG was hurt mm-hmm. for so long, and Nick Batum had to guard the best perimeter player out there when MKG only played the seven games that he did a couple of years ago. And then they brought in Kev- Courtney Lee, yeah. Right, and that was the best season that we have seen from Nick Batum 
I in a Hornets uniform. That. I disagree with that. Then following year, he was better statistically. I would say no, but it was certainly the year that got him paid. Yes. And so when you see Nick Batum play that first year in his Hornets uniform, defending the best perimeter player, I think everybody the following year, and I guess this would not apply to you, Nada, but I think most people would say that he performed worse and that was also a time where he had less responsibility guarding the best perimeter player because MKG was a guy that was doing that. And so it's just interesting to me how like I felt like Nick Batum was happy about this change. Remember on Twitter, he's saying, I am going to be a small forward. That is something that seemed like he was positive and felt good about. But here we will go a month at a time, sometimes without Nick Batum being terribly aggressive on offense. And maybe it's just as simple as a case of him not realizing sort of the dynamics of that change and getting into the beginning of the season and going, oh, wait a minute, now I have to guard uh, all of these guys and, and expend all of this, uh, spend all of this energy on defense. And, and now I'm expected to play offense, too. Like, I, maybe that's, you know, maybe that was where his thought process was. And I get that, but at the same time, like you said, it's a be careful what you wish for situation because had it been Malik that won that starting job, he'd be working on defense a whole lot more. And it's one of those things where you do appreciate MKG and his efforts. And I think if there's anything that he misses, I think he misses those shots. He's got to find a way to get himself in a rhythm. We can't always bl- blame Borrego for that. Well, and and again, so and perhaps if we're going to blame Borrego for that, maybe we give him some praise here as well because Batum also goes on to say that he's felt more comfortable in the offense the past two weeks. And he says Borrego said he's made some tweaks of late to find more catch and shoot and driving opportunities for both mm. Batum and Miles Bridges. And so – that is something that Borrego has kind of tweaked in this. And That's an eyebrow raise right there. Yeah, and, and you've seen Batum. And, and they've been successful. Like, look, we, we've talked about the last couple of weeks, the Hornets being more successful. Certainly the last six games or so, it looked like they've been a better basketball team. And the problem, of course, narratively, is you don't pay max money to a defensive stopper. No, not in today's NBA. Like, no. that's not what it's about. And and it's, and again, there have been, like, I thought at the beginning Nick Batum was playing better defense, but I doubt we can use the term defensive stopper for Nick, right? Like, it's not been a guy that has been, unless you're talking about... No, and his so his main assignment in this game was not Donson Sakumpo. I mean, no, he was that was Marvin's guy, right? Right. So, I mean, you saw what Nick can do when he has a little bit uh, less to spend on defense. Right. And you have seen that. And so now when you've seen the aggressive play from him, you've seen the Hornets play better. And now it's all about, does Nick give you more than two consecutive games of that? Because we haven't seen that in a while. In he fact, better it, tonight. It, well, you, you have to go all the way back to the beginning of the season where it's like the fourth and the fifth games of the year where he's giving you that kind of aggressive play as far as on a consistent basis. So we'll see if Nick is able to do it once again for a third straight game in this season against the New York Knicks. We're giving you daily Hornets talk in your podcast feed. We need you to show your support by joining our Patreon page for as little as $1 a month. You'll be supporting the content that you depend on. Go to patreon.com slash LOH. Again, that's patreon.com slash LOH. Will the Hornets stay quiet at the deadline despite all of these rumors floating around? Find out next year on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. Charlotte, How strong is an ox? Are we? I think we're overrating the ox. Uh, we are I, not overrating the I ox. Need to see, I need mm. to see some medicals on the ox. Yeah, why don't you do the research on that? You put your lab glasses on. You take a look at it. You can. wonder if there's mind. anything on the internet. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. So, 
So I have uh, a quote here. I don't know if you guys saw this after the game from Milwaukee Bucks starting shooting guard Eric Bledsoe. Said once we switched up our coverages and made them play a lot of one-on-one, it changed the game for us. Bledsoe said, "I'm getting this from uh, NSJ North State Journal Online.com, by the way." So we were taking the ball out of the net all game until the end. We started to get stops, get out and get transition shots, drive and kick. We did a great job. So Bledsoe's saying there that there was a major change for them defensively in the fourth quarter, and it helped propel them to the to Oh, the that line. sounds familiar. Well, and you look at the fourth quarter, the Hornets get beat by 20 points. I mean, it's 32 to 12, and you see the Hornets, one, just not be able to hit any shots and also not be able to stop Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks. And, and, like, this is the second time that a major coaching change has happened and they don't have any answer for the curveball. Well, and, and again, you know, Budenholzer. Yeah. He's a fantastic coach, but, again, right, like, it, it's Borrego. They, they come from the same tree, so perhaps we would have liked to have been more fruitful in our coaching changes. Like, that's <laughs> the thing, though, and I think that's what's bugging me about this because Doug told me this, like, this morning. when I And when I heard that quote, it's like, okay, Fisdale did it to you once with the 2-3 zone. That was embarrassing because it's the Knicks. That was embarrassing, and it's his own. Yeah, and we and this was it, it's like this new defense was invented right in front of us. You know, it's exactly <laughs> it, you go on the Wikipedia page, as Rick said, and, and it's blank, and and it's well, it's Dave Fisdale made it. You know, he's the one that invented the zone, so that was embarrassing. And so in this one, you get a Pat Connaughton sub. By the way, Pat Connaughton, I don't think he's played in like six out of the last nine. Yeah, Pat Connaughton did not play in six of the previous nine games. So again, you, you throw the team a curveball. And then you switch up the coverages a little bit, and it discombobulated the Hornets. I think it's a thing. Like, honestly, I think it's a thing. Yeah, it's, you mean Borrego lacking in in-game adjustments. Well, I'm not oh, – well, listen, I'm not, you know – You hate Borrego. I'm going to be a little careful good. here. I'm just saying – I'm presenting you the evidence, and you do with it what you want to do with it. That Borrego that – sounds, that sounds pretty lukewarm to me. Is that is that is that a lukewarm take? Am I using the hot take machine right? Yeah, it's very, fairly lukewarm. Why don't you eat that up? How many times are we going to sit here and watch the Charlotte Hornets get outcoached by a veteran coach in the fourth quarter? That was delicious. I'm so Mount glad. Ran- Mount Ranton is back. I love it. That was delicious. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. The key there is to ask a question and not answer it. Well, and <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. We'll keep coming no, back to it. I want to fire that thing. incredibly smart. I want to fire that thing up even more frequently than we already do. And speaking of the Bucks, real quickly, going to go around the room, which means to two people. It's not around mm-hmm. the room per se. But Thon Maker also asking for a trade to the Hornets. Inquire about Thon. Is it going to cost you Frank? Because if it's anything more than that, no. Okay. Doug, what do you think about Thon? I uh, no, don't like it. No, don't? All right, fair enough. And we'll move on to other things. And just seeing if the Charlotte Hornets would actually just stay quiet at the deadline, whether it is a Thon Maker move or if it is a bigger name move, like an Andre Drummond, which has been rumored to be out there. And what's interesting here, and again, we have talked with Rick Bennell about this, just the idea that despite all of these rumors floating around the Charlotte Hornets, that they might just stay quiet at the deadline. And when you've looked at some of the moves that the Hornets have made in the past, they've been minor. They've been 
minor moves to that, that have had big impacts, right? But they're not big names. For instance, we all go back to the Courtney Lee trade. It was a phenomenal trade by Rich Cho. You get rid of PJ Hairston, and I forget what else they get rid of in that trade. But they get Courtney Lee, and he's a pretty big tool in being successful getting to that seven-game series against the Miami Heat. Won him a game, too. Right, absolutely. Had the game-winning shot. Yep. And so you look at Courtney Lee. That was a big move that they've made. And just whether they've been impactful or not, you've seen the Charlotte Hornets make those types of moves. They go out, they get a Miles uh, Plumley, yes. right? Yeah. That's was- the deal that I was going to bring up to, to uh, basically bolster the case for staying quiet. And it's a lot like that movie, A Quiet Place. Sometimes it's better to not say anything, to not do anything, to not make a sound, because if you do, you end up getting eaten by the monster that is Miles Plumley <laughs> and his contract that has had domino effects. But, but you do get rid of it for the Dwight Howard monster, which I don't right, know if that's helping saying, my case. That's not, that doesn't <laughs> help. No, they've been trading for different monsters. So now you have to get rid of uh, Howard and you bring in uh, you bring in Biz. Right. Yeah, yeah so, so you have a bunch of different monsters that the Hornets have traded for. And the most optimistic of views, you have Courtney Lee in your mind. For the most pessimistic of views, you have Miles Plumley in mind. But the point being is that the Hornets have made the Gary Neal trade, right? Mm-hmm. It's been those type of players that the Charlotte Hornets have gone after. It seems like the Hornets are going to go big or go home if there is any type of move made at this deadline. Walker, the Hornets have, how would I put this, champagne aspirations with Kool-Aid money. Not even the good Kool-Aid. It's like the grape Kool-Aid. We're talking about grape Kool-Aid, maybe even like the Kool-Aid that's not even spelled right in Dollar General. Yeah. Like the, the C-O-O-L hyphen eight. A I D. Yes. This fake Kool Aid. Yeah, fake Kool Aid. Kool Aid. They, they do not have the assets to do anything big, and this is why when anyone says, "Okay, they're going to go after get, go go and get Drummond," okay, are you willing to give up a Malik Monk? Now, granted, the Batum contract, I can understand why everybody wants to get rid of it so quick. I get it. But at the same time, I'm not willing to take it on for a guy like Andre Drummond. Who's also making uh, a big boy money and would be potentially another monster. And you have to, like we saw with Dwight Howard, you have to adjust your entire offensive and defensive game plan around that player. Right. And so I would think, again, uh, I'm with you. It's going to be tough, right? I mean, anytime you have these big blockbuster trades or these big name trades, the odds are always in the favor of it not happening because it's tough, especially at the trade deadline because you lose rotation players. And especially if you're getting a guy that if you're subtracting more players than you're getting back, despite the value of that one player, maybe being bigger that you're getting back, it still hurts your rotation because now you have to try to find other bodies. And so coaches don't love doing it. And so therefore these types of trades happen in the off season more so than they do in the deadline. I would normally be right there with you that the odds of this type of deal not happening for the Hornets are greater than it, than it happening. But then I think Mitch Kupchak is the guy in the office. He's the guy on the multiple phones at the same time. And that makes me think that it is possible that the Hornets could get in either involved in one of these mega deals or or be the subject of it. Uh, but I but I think the more I watch this team, guys, the more I hope they do stay quiet. The more I watch Devontae Graham and Miles Bridges, maybe less so Malik Monk, but as the more I watch these young players, I really hope that they don't sacrifice what they have started to build for something now. And something else that I don't think we talk about enough, because this is a small market franchise, you can't afford to just give away first-round picks, even if you're a playoff team all willy-nilly. 
Look at a team like the Spurs. The Spurs continually turn around those late firsts into contributors, turn around those seconds into contributors as well. So you need those picks to continually keep those that player uh, again, that player threshold, and just keep refreshing them. And so far, Walker, I mean, they've done probably the thing that they wanted to do most heading into this this all-star you know, hosting season, which is they've stayed relevant within the NBA conversation. Kimball Walker, obviously a big part of that, but they've also stayed in Eastern Conference player, a playoff contention. You didn't want to be a complete embarrassment uh, heading into hosting uh, the NBA's marquee event. They've avoided that. So I think they have enough capital right now to just to just hang tough and see what happens. That 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 is tough though because when you look at Kimba, right? I mean, Kimba is going to be 29 years old. And when you look at Kimba, you have to give him some type of talent. And therefore, if you stay home with the roster that you have right now, mm-hmm. that means you have a lot of faith in Malik Monk turning it around his third season, and Miles Bridges being a big-time contributor next season, and Devontae Graham. And I don't know if you're looking, as much as I like Miles Bridges and he has improved, are these guys taking that type of jump that quickly? Yes and no, but I would also put, tell you this. Yes and no. Yes and no. I have more faith in the Eastern Conference staying as bad as it is for at least this season to where you're going to make the playoffs. Dinwiddie's out for a month. You have the Indiana Pacers that are probably going to fall a few spots, and if I'm not mistaken, you still have two more games with them. You also have the Orlando Magic, which are inconsistent at best. So look at the situation around you. If you're going to make a move, it's because you do not feel comfortable about where you're going to be in the playoffs. I'm not totally unsure that Miles Bridges and Devontae Graham, that they don't make major jumps in in that first offseason, number one. Number two, I think you can sell Kimba if the trade market at the trade deadline is not exactly where you want it to be. I think you could sell Kimba on that trade market looking a lot better come draft time. Like, look, we we get it, Kimba. We we, we want to put talent around you. We just think that this time is going to be more beneficial to us than if we make a move midseason. Well, and, and if you do it, but if you do it at offseason, then you're just kind of pro, you're just procrastinating getting rid of some of those assets. Right? I, I, mean, I wouldn't say that. You have 40 plus million in expirings at that point. You have $40 million. You're going to be able to do something with that to where people are going to get bought out. I think you can retool a lot easier this summer than you can, say, at the trade deadline, where you where you want a guy like Andre Drummond, you end up with a guy like Enos Cantor. Well, and then it takes us all full circle with if they don't do anything at the trade deadline or they're, they're going to go big or go home at the deadline. And then if they do have some more expiring contracts, which they will this offseason, maybe they are, they are more inclined, that is opposing teams, maybe they are more inclined to take some of that money on. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We'll take a quick break. Anthony Davis, he is on the market, uh, at least right now it does look like he could be because Anthony Davis said he's not going to sign an extension as soon as his contract is up. So a lot of teams are going to be calling the New Orleans Pelicans, and we'll talk about some possible landing spots for Anthony Davis on the other side of the break. Once again, it's Locked On Hornets. This is Locked On Hornets. I can't tell you on wax. I will explain. <laughs> you got your sources? I have. Can you explain what on wax means? I can't tell you on wax right now. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Please listen carefully.
Woj bomb being dropped very early this morning that Anthony Davis has made it apparent he is not going to sign a long-term extension with the New Orleans Pelicans. And now it's funny. It, it's kind of everybody running around in a fire drill because it is not too long. Hold on. Is it a, is it a bomb or is it a fire drill? Which one is it? Well, I imagine the fire drill does go off if there's a bomb, if there's a Woj bomb. And so I think you can have both of these related to each other. And so now everybody's running around crazily because you look at Anthony Davis, it's a guy that there could be some teams in the mix for. Now, just real quickly, going over some of the teams that could go after him and some teams that can't, yes. Lakers are going to be as big of favorites as anybody up Only until the deadline. up until the deadline. Because the Boston Celtics, they cannot trade for Anthony Davis until July 1st because of the Rose Roll, which means having two extended 30% contracts on one team that they get early, and that would be Kyrie Irving. He already occupies that spot. So Anthony Davis... You can't have him until after July 1st. So now is the time because the Boston Celtics have more assets than every single other franchise out there. It is amazing how much they have at their disposal. So if you are the Lakers, you have some young players. It is time for the Lakers to go make that deal if you do want to beat out the Boston Celtics. The time is now. Yes, it is right now. The only problem is you have to be really impressed with their prospects. And outside of Lonzo and maybe a little bit of Kuzma, I'm really not. You like Josh Hart. I like Josh Hart, but I think he's a guy that's a starter, that's a decent rotation guy. But I don't think he's a guy that you want to trade for in an Anthony Davis package, though. He's not going to be your centerpiece at all or anything close. And just so we address it, because we are the Locked On Hornets podcast, it probably is our responsibility to address any type of chance that the Charlotte Hornets have. It is zero. It is zero to get after Anthony Davis. It is zero, but the funny thing is... I like Miles Bridges, and I do a whole lot of those guys that the Lakers have. Right but, now. And, and there's not enough Miles Bridges, or there's not enough of those types of guys. There's not team. enough picks or Miles Bridges <laughs> for the for that to actually happen. So especially when you have every other team clamoring for Anthony Davis, so it's but, just it's not going to happen. But what if it did happen? But that is true. <laughs> that is true. That is definitely Man. true. That is, that is, uh, Doug comes in with a fantastic point. Happen. But what if it did though? Right, like oh. what? What if the Charlotte Hornets did offer some of these assets towards them? Could it happen? Could it happen? I mean, he'd go to L.A. first, but I mean, no. It, I, I'm going to say that it still could not happen. It's something I would I would whisper into Rich Cho's ear if he were on his deathbed. Like the Ooh. one thing you would want to tell him, like, right, just know that mm. that Charlotte did eventually get, and he would be happy. He and would this be is happy that they eventually got a. And this does ring a little personal to us, right? Because we missed out on Anthony Davis as. Literally the worst basketball team ever to be assembled in the NBA for as far as you looking at the winning percentage. Mm -hmm. And Anthony Davis became the very player for the very franchise that originally stole our franchise. Okay, so knowing that Anthony Davis really did not move the needle for that New Orleans franchise, in turn, and it's not Ooh, entirely yeah. his fault... But just reality is New Orleans was never in contention for a Western Conference championship, okay? So knowing that and knowing that he now wants out, wants to go somewhere else, would you still, if you knew all that, would you still draft Anthony Davis and just have those those several years of delicious Anthony yes. Davis goodness? Oh, I, yes. Right? Yes. 100%, Doug. Are you going somewhere else on this, or are you just asking the question for us? Because I think 100% you still draft Anthony Davis. No, I told you, I'm just asking the question <laughs> no, because you that. get to sound really smart <laughs> and true. you don't have to answer the question. That is interesting. I'm just asking the I'm question asking to the question. you guys. Do you still draft... 
one of the top five players in basketball. But you know he's going to leave. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yes. I, but you I'm get him for seven it. years. I'm still doing it. Yes, absolutely. I'm and still you, doing it. And he it. really did he make that? Did he make New Orleans a popular destination? Did he make them a popular franchise? Not really. No, Drew Holiday stayed because of him. I don't, I don't think he hurt the Pelicans. <laughs> I think you're not looking at that team and saying, oh, Anthony Davis is there. Nah. He's I'm a good. one, but what I'm saying is he's a once in a generation talent, but he didn't have once in a generation talent results like a LeBron or a Kobe or a Don down the line. How much of that is him being in the West, though? You put him in the East, and I think this question changes dramatically. That, that is true, and so now just just thinking of small market teams trying to hang on to their stars, we are one. We are mm-hmm. here with the Charlotte Hornets, where they are going to try to hang on to their star and Kimba Walker, and we've talked about this. And this is one thing, like, people kind of coming down on the Pelicans because they, quote, had their chance and they weren't able to keep them. Man, I'm here to give some sympathy to the New Orleans Pelicans. No, no, so am I, because here's the thing. People don't seem to realize it's really, really hard to build a team. In a small market especially. Especially in a small market. That's why we praise San Antonio for doing what they've done. That's why we praise the Atlanta Hawks for not having a star and getting 60 wins a couple years ago. Cool, 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 cool. So uh, what happened on your date? Like, where did it all – what? You said oh, it, you made it sound like we, it didn't go exactly how you wanted it to. Like, what What was the, what was <laughs> oh, the determining factor? What happened? So I was supposed to get – I told everybody that I was going to Finn and Fino. Uh-huh. And Walker, restaurant week. Restaurant week. It's a popular thing here in Charlotte. It's a lot still of people, going on, too. Yeah, a lot of people go. And Walker had warned me. To go get a reservation. Guess who did? Pod dad with the pod dad advice. Exactly. <laughs> it, it, I wish listen, you would have let son, me borrow his car, but listen, still. son, make sure you get that reservation. That's right. And then, yeah, well, we'll, we'll wait on some other advice. Apparently, we don't need any other advice about this potentially working in the long term. Oh, no, 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 no. I got friends on it. Like, <laughs> well, well hold day. on. Hold on. We're <laughs> skipping. What happened with the reservation? So I ended up having to scramble. So I decided, you know what? Let's try Haberdish. Wait, so no, hold on. What? Crib. Why did the what happened with the reservation? You made the reservation. You get there, and they said what? The reservation is not. <laughs> yeah, valid? we don't have it. We don't have it. We don't have any of your information in you gotta, here. You got to. You got to slip them the old. Yeah. Yeah. Slip them the old twice. I don't keys. carry cash on me oh, like that. Oh? Did you? You didn't give him the handshake. What? It's the Tom Selleck and Friends handshake. He teaches Chandler <laughs> and Joey how to do it. Oh, no, hey, hey, why don't you right. find that table for us oh, now? Man. Yeah. So I ended up having to scramble. I tried to go to La Belle Helene. They weren't available till like 9.15. I tried to go to Haberdish. It's an hour and 30-minute wait there. And then I was like, okay, we'll go to Mango's. And we ended up doing Mango's and Amelie's and had a decent time. Ended up getting friend-zoned. Oh, well. So so do you think this would have been successful had you just made the reservation Possibly. a little bit better. Yeah, see, I Possibly. don't think this has anything to do with Nada or, you know, or her. I think this completely has to do with the reservation. It's it's it, you know, it's not me, it's you. No, it's not me or you. It's, it's the, reservation. the reservation. The lack thereof. Yes, it, this it is. This is the problem. This, yeah, I, I know how It's m- not it's not me, it's the Mater D. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I know how Rich there Cho feels right now. That's all I can say. I know how Rich Cho feels. I, again, I had my draft. I had my draft lottery night. Friday oh night. man, yeah, yeah. You the totally. That's You're right. totally rich, Cho, in this situation. Yes, I am you totally are, rich, Cho. Who was the person that was happy that night? Was who was representing the Pelicans? That, was, oh uh, my God! Yeah, probably who, she was because she didn't have to pay for anything. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. I'm saying who actually on that night was who was smiling in that picture and that was it. It wasn't Dems, was it? 
I think oh, it was. I, no, I, it might have been. It probably was. Dems. So she was Dems. She got she she was Dems for sure. Yeah, yeah. Just next time, make the reservation. I'll try to give you better advice next time, or at least have got to call follow. ahead. You got to double check. <laughs> oh, come <laughs> on, mate. You got to close it. You're the Hornets in this situation, not just letting twenty points go in the. Yeah, I let twenty go, and then in I the ended fourth up, quarter. I ended up bringing my bad juju to the Hornets on on <laughs> Friday night. All right, thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. At Locked On Hornets, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search your just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow.